Children's Church. <clears throat> it's good to be back, like Andy said, and I'm thankful there's a day. We'll stand with God and all the saints together. Um, puts kind of the perspective of this momentary difficulty into place for us. Um, and man, the blessings that we've seen recently uh, have been been great. So uh, my daughter kept telling me, she wanted me to tell everybody something before she goes off to Children's Church. Uh, if you haven't signed up for VBS, sign up now because she signed up and she's going to be doing soccer. So uh, she'll be there, buddy, all right? So <laughs> sign up, uh, help out if you're listening online and uh, you haven't signed up yet, today would be a good day to do that, okay? Um, and so I'm thankful as I've just been um, getting ready, thinking about, you know, our church family. Today we're talking about family, our immediate family, uh, which we all have one, and then the family of God, our church family here. Uh, and so there's some things that I want to go over, just maybe give us some helpful directions as Paul, who's talking to Timothy, who's in a church that has a lot of issues, has a lot of church issues, has a lot of family issues. Uh, you know, try to give some clarity to the church and to families that are operating within that community of faith how to live and how to operate. And so while I was away, we were listening to the messages. Um, Sydney came on a Saturday, and so we listened on a Sunday at the hospital uh, to Andy Shearer about bumper sticker faith and um, how we see things, but they really don't line up, right? And I love listening to that. It kind of met us where we were at that day. Uh, it had been kind of a difficult year. You know, we, we lost a child in the fall, and then coming to this point where you hear your child crying for the first time, like in the OR, like it's just, um, it's not anything you can really uh, put into words, and just how we've been thankful, uh, really these last several weeks, getting the time to uh, be together, learn what a family of five is going to look like. It's pretty hectic, in case you're wondering, <laughs> maybe you've had, had that many in your family, maybe you have more, um, so you teach me some things, how to operate in that. Now, uh, Bryce shared with us uh, dealing with giants. Um, we all have them in our lives. David had a few, uh, one of which being Goliath, and he didn't seem all that worried about it when he dealt with that giant. Um, so I know you got a lot of that as well. And then David, who's out of town today, I know he shared last week with us um, about what the next big thing is. We all have that, right? He shared out of Joshua chapter 24. We've talked about that before and how there was this expectation, right, for, for Joshua and the people. Are you going to serve God or are you not? So everybody makes a choice. And Sydney has some things she wants to say too. Don't worry about her. I was telling uh, Bryce and I were talking about it yesterday and um, said, we'll be in service tomorrow no matter what. And um, the truth is, I'd rather hear cries of babies than not, right, in our family. So praise God for that. You tell us all you want to, babe. Tell us all you want. <laughs> and so as we get into the message, I was thinking about family and our church family. And it always seemed, well, I've heard the saying before at least, you can't pick your family, right, your immediate family. To a degree, we can choose where we go to church, right? We can choose who we worship with and who we're in community with as we grow together. Um, and I was thinking about how we came to this church. It's coming up on three years ago, but we had some meetings and times where, you know, I came and spoke before. And so one of those times we came and spoke, um, you know, of course, we had like get-togethers and meals and people said a lot of kind words and encouraged us, which was great. But there's one thing in particular that I wanted to share with you. Um, Christy and I received a gift from a few young ladies. One of them's here today. I don't know if she remembers. I'm looking at her. She's going like, I don't know what it is. Natalie, she's like, what do we give? Um, so we actually have these on our nightstands. Remember this? Yeah. So <clears throat> Natalie and Allie Williams gave those to us. So uh, Christy has hers kind of hanging above her nightstand. I have mine sitting right there. 
And I brought that this morning because as I was thinking about our church family, right, we can't pick our immediate family, right? Sometimes we wish we could, uh, but to a degree we do choose our church family, where we go, where we worship, where we celebrate God together. And one of our last visits, they gave us those bracelets. Now, you wouldn't think, be some, I mean, I couldn't make this, but it wouldn't be difficult for a young lady to make. And they gave that to us, but it actually meant a lot. And so it's something that I've remembered since that time. And when I look at it, it reminds me that we belong to a church family. And, and I hope that all of you, maybe you're listening online, weren't able to be here today, or maybe you're here in person, but I hope you feel the same way about a place like this that you can gather. And if you're not connected somewhere, I would encourage you, there's a whole lot of things you're missing out on. But how do we live and we operate is the question, because I'm reminded daily as I get up, we belong somewhere, right? And we all should. We belong to God, we belong to an immediate family, but we belong to a church, or we should, right? And so we'll be in First Timothy, the topic today is family. And in the series on enduring faith, um, we ask, have to ask some questions like, in family, how do we live? How do we operate? How do we treat people? Uh, believe it or not, there's some expectations from God on how we should operate as a church family and in our immediate families. And we all belong to different places, but I wonder if we've really kind of dove into that. Now, Paul knew as he was sharing with Timothy how the church should operate, how the immediate family should operate, how should we treat each other. Um, and so as we think about that, remember this, how to conduct ourselves. It matters, right? And we can't just say that, uh, like what David was talking about last week, we can't just say that we are believers. We can't say that we belong to a church family and then act in a way that's contrary to what the Bible says. Now, we all have difficult days, but what Joshua was challenging the people with was, choose today whom you're going to serve. Choose who you belong to. Do you belong to God? Do you belong to his family? What's going to make a difference in your life? And so Paul has a few things to share with us. And that first fill in the blank is relationships of the young and old. That's easy. Relationships of the young and old. And I won't say who's young or old in here. Okay. So you can decide that for yourself. Uh, But in verse 1 it says, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers. So there's some simple instructions here for us. So we'll look at a couple of different areas of family life and church life. Uh, But what should we do? We should not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger man as brothers. So that word, if you've never seen it before, rebuke in the Greek, so to chastise with words, right? And we've all had to chastise somebody with words. And typically, it's not kids chastising parents, right? That's usually not the way that it works. So, I mean, as we grow up in life, we should hold a similar respect for those in our family, like a mother or father, grandmother, grandfather, and those in our church, too, who come alongside us and encourage us and build us up. Um, and so there should be this um, respect, right, that we have for one another, especially those in um, that position, wherever you find yourself as young or old. But then I'm always asked this question, like when we read a text like this, yeah, we got relationships with the young and old. How are we supposed to conduct ourselves? Well, with respect. We should treat those who are older and wiser with um, a level of encouragement and uh, love and respect. But, but what happens, because I've had, especially teenagers like to ask me this, what happens when mom or dad does something I don't like? <laughs> or uh, maybe uh, uh, an older relative or somebody even in the church doesn't act right. Well, what do we do with that? Well, I think about this saying, and maybe you've seen it if you've gone to New York City. Um, it's kind of, they've kind of placarded it up everywhere to kind of curb crime. It says, see something, say something. See something, say something. Uh, there's something I think that's gone on in our culture over the years where, you know, we read a verse like this and we think like anybody in a position like that, like an older person who, who is wise, and probably a lot of the time. And I know we've read that in Proverbs too. There's a woman who builds her house with wisdom and then, 
in the end, can tear it down on our own, right? So none of us are immune to making mistakes, right? To um, faltering. And so we have to be people who go, yes, that person is there for a reason to encourage us, to lift us up. But we shouldn't be on this pedestal, right? I, w- I shouldn't be up there, right? None of our deacons should. Anybody else who leads, we should be able to say, hey, we are all accountable to one another. But if we see something that maybe isn't right, we should say something, right? Because abuse isn't okay, but when we read this week, should we go, let's make every effort to respect, to lift up, to encourage those who are in a leadership position. I've had other people ask me, well, pastor, you know, how are we supposed to trust anybody when it's like every other day, you know, I watch the news and it's like this priest or this religious figure or this politician, you know, I just can't believe it. I'm so surprised. Well, are we really, right? Sometimes we go, well, that's not right. And, and we're right. It shouldn't be the case. But do we operate in a family where we can say things when things are difficult, right? Maybe, you know, dad's having a hard day and we're able to say, hey, dad, what's going on? You know, can I help you with something? And so we need to be in this place where we respect those who are in a position of uh, authority, uh, those who are wise, but everybody has a difficult day, right? Some people have a lot of them, and it's okay to say something. So how do we respond to this? Well, I want to encourage you. That I think there's times where uh, we, can, we can go, God, how do we respect, but then how do we look out for when maybe there's a wrong direction? Maybe somebody takes a path and, and starts to tear things down instead of building it up. I think we find this in 2 Timothy, um, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9. Uh, people are going to act a certain way in the last days. And not everybody who acts badly will be outside of the church. Sometimes we'll have to go, how do we confront difficult things in our own families, right? Because that can be uncomfortable, can't it? Well, let's read this. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9. It says, But I understand this, in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. So Paul has some difficult words for us. In, in one instance, he says, let's encourage, let's build up, let's look to those people who are in a position to help lead and help guide us, and we should do that. But what happens when there are those who are within the church, maybe even in those positions who say, yeah, I am saying I'm a believer, but then I'm going to act a different way, denying God's power. Man, that's, uh, it's difficult. Uh, now, we see all throughout, the, and even the Old Testament and the New Testament, there are people who come alongside, and you'll see a couple of people referenced here in the Second Timothy passage. If you keep reading, um, Janus and Jambres, uh, these individuals who actually were in complete opposition to God's people, they were working with Pharaoh um, in the Old Testament as God's people were saying, like, you know, we want to go. Uh, Moses says, God said, let the people go. You got these magicians who are trying to match, Janus and Jambres, who are trying to match what God's power is, right? And every time they just, they blow them out of the water, right? I love the account where, it's kind of scary for kids, but I love one of the, the initial accounts where Moses and Aaron, they go before Pharaoh, and what happens? The magicians, they're like, yeah, we can do some cool stuff too, right? They, they make some snakes out of some staffs, and what happens? God's staff ends up eating up the other ones. And they're like, oh, okay, that didn't work out. Now, if you read other historical texts, many scholars will say that these two individuals, Janus and Jambres, although they weren't a part of God's family, they went along with the people of God. Now, sometimes people who like, want to get on the bandwagon and think, like, let's get on the one that's like, successful right now, they'll jump on, and then along the way they'll go, yeah, I was just kidding. I'm not sure I really want to really be a part of this or, or know what's going on. 
And so Paul says we always need to be on the lookout, right? So we need to be looking at the young and the old. How do we show honor and respect? How do we encourage those who are younger? Because we should be doing that. But all the while, everyone's actions, everyone's way of life should match up with God's word. We should be encouraging each other in that. What about young men to young men? What do I see young guys doing all the time? Beating each other up, right? Giving each other a hard time. You know, I mean, I know how it was when I was growing up too. It's like, what should we do in the church though and as a family? Yeah, it's okay to wrestle and have a good time, but at the end of the day, what are you guys doing for each other? What are the young men in the room doing for each other? You saying, hey man, let me encourage you. How can I help you be closer to the Lord? And then young ladies to young men, it's referenced here too. So how do you need to treat those younger men? I encourage. We'll build up, right? Don't put down. I think we get in this place too where like we see these relationships and and maybe we get in a space where, you know, we're like, I, I just feel like sarcasm is my thing, right? And, and don't get me wrong, I do that all the time. And I go, uh, maybe I should encourage more, right? Maybe I should think, think about lifting people up more, right? But we get in these modes of how we think we should operate. But God has some other things to say about it. So how do we operate? Well, we give respect and honor to those who are older and we encourage. But we say something, right? If we see something, we want to encourage those younger men. What about older women? Well, it says here, and I'm not saying who the older women are. Verse 2, it says, Older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. This is some good stuff for us too, right? So we look at those older men and we say, let's give uh, uh, encouragement and uh, discretion to them. What about older women as mothers? Have you ever thought about like being a part of this family uh, or if you've been a part of another family of faith? Like how do you treat your moms? Like that matters, right? Most people would not say like, I, I would go to my mom and I would uh, yell at her and treat her poorly. And uh, sometimes those things happen. We shouldn't do that, right? And in the same way as we come into the church, we should go, here's how I should treat all the older ladies, like my mom, right? So we should, again, encourage and treat them like your mother. And then younger women as sisters in all purity. This is so important in our time and in Paul's time too. He was talking to a church in Ephesus that struggled with the view of women. So first of all, they said, you know, women can't do anything, right? We've talked about that. Yeah, they can't teach. They can't, you know, really operate in any sort of business or commerce. You know, just sort of sit there, do, do your thing, be a homemaker, which is okay also. But you can't really be involved in any other space. You can't learn. Um, you can't be involved in the church. And so Paul's already addressed this. He says, this should be different, right? What about for younger women? They should be treated as sisters. Well, we know that the temple of Artemis and that location, Ephesus as well, was devoted to prostitution. So they were going, instead of valuing young women, they were going, here's how we should look at them, like objects. Wait a second. That's not what God wants us to do, right? So he says here, younger women as sisters in all purity. And I love that word, the word for purity, hagnia, in the Greek, is the sin, it means just purity or the sinlessness of life. So how should we treat young ladies in our church? Well, or outside of the church with respect, right? I always think about, because I've got three girls now, and um, I think about this often, like, man, what kind of world am I raising them in, right? Where women are put down, they're not treated well, where they're treated as objects, and I just go, that's not the way that it should be. And I think about those guys who will want to date my daughters. Those guys who will, you know, say, can I marry your daughter? I know that day's coming. I'm just, like, mentally preparing for it now already. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm praying, but I think about the scenario, like, What's the, and I'm praying for these guys now too. I don't know who they are, um, but I'm praying for them now. What is, what should the kind of qualities should a young man have who's pursuing my daughter or any other young lady? Well, she should, he should treat her like 
a sister, like a daughter of the king, because that's where she gets her value. Uh, so I always imagine like a young man, he's pulling in the driveway, right? You've seen this before. What does he do? Does he start honking? I hope not, because that's going to be a conversation we're going to have to have. You know, no, get out of the car, right? Come up to the door, ring the doorbell, have some flowers or something, you know, <laughs> knock on the door. And he'll say, is your daughter ready? And I'll say, probably not, <laughs> right? Probably not. That's okay. Come on in. Let's have a conversation. Tell me how you're going to treat my daughter, right? Men who have daughters in the room, isn't that a question you've thought about a lot? Maybe some of, them, some of your uh, young ladies are already married or, or some of them are, are going to be in the future. I think about that and I go, what kind of conversations am I going to have? I'm going to go back to this place. And so not only in our own families, in our immediate families, but in the church, how should we treat young ladies with all purity, right? That's what we should be about. We should be different as the church. So with all purity, and then pray for me as I have those conversations in the future. When I come back to this, you're going to treat my daughter. Because what is God? He looks down and he goes, here's how the church should operate. Young ladies should be treated with all purity. And I hope that they do. Or it'll be a different conversation. I'll say, back on out of the driveway. Come on back when you're, you're ready to treat them with purity, right? We should be taking care of our young ladies in the church like that as well. So standing up for those that... Maybe there's not a father figure for somebody who cares about them. You didn't invest in that way. What about relationships of relationships to the widows? So we've got relationships to the young and old and the relationships to widows. So Paul talks to a church that is struggling in a lot of different ways. So they talk about um, not only those relationships between the young and old, but, but what about those who are in the family of faith that at times need some more help um, or need some direction? What, what are they supposed to be doing? How is the church supposed to operate? Well, uh, it says it here in verses 3 and 4, Honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents for this. It's pleasing in the sight of God. Now, when we read this, like our motivation for like taking care of our own children, like maybe you're in a different phase of life. I, um, I have conversations with, with you all uh, about you know, the place that you're in. And as I'm holding like this little baby, this brand new baby, Sydney, I'm not holding her thinking like, I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to love you as long as you make sure you take care of us when we're older, right? Or you take care of mom, right? Uh, you know, I know we think about that and, and we hope that they do or we hope that they're a part of that process, but I'm not doing that. I'm doing that because I love my children, right? God's given me a great opportunity and a great gifting, but how should the church operate? Well, honor widows who are truly widows, but if a widow has children and grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing to God. So what's pleasing to God? Like within the household of God, within the household of our own families, that our kids you know, would come up alongside of us. I, um, I love talking to you at different phases. Right now, um, actually, Greg and Lori aren't here with us, um, but I've gotten to have a lot of good conversations with them. And it's just kind of cool to see how uh, somebody in a different phase of life, it, it, the tables kind of turn, don't they? We start to shepherd, or your kids start to shepherd, you in older age um, as you get closer to God. And we hope that's the way that it works out. Now, in a sinful world, maybe it doesn't always work out that way, but there's this clear call, this clear expectation that we would come alongside those parents. And maybe you've had a different, difficult relationship with a parent in the past. You're wondering, like, you know, how is this supposed to work when maybe we don't see eye to eye on everything? But there's still this expectation to help, to provide for, and to turn to those immediate family members. In verse 5 and 6, it says, She is truly a widow left all alone, has her hope 
on God and continues in supplication and prayers night and day. But she was self-indulgent as dead even while she lives. So within our immediate families, within the, in the family of God, who's truly a widow? Somebody who's lost a husband, somebody who's within the church and then devote or, devotes herself to the Lord with her time. Now, chances are this person probably has been devoting themselves to the Lord already if they're going to devote themselves to prayer and to focus on God. I, I always kind of think about timing too. You know, like right now I'm just going like, I barely have time to sleep, you know, <laughs> sleep enough, right? With a newborn at home. But then I think about those who, you know, they're a little further down the road, right? And they're sending kids off to college or the kids are having their own kids. And then you're like, we have a lot more time. Like, what do you do with that time? And then what happens if, which usually what happens, a spouse passes away, and maybe the guy first, and what do you do with that time? Well, the scripture's pretty clear. Hey, we need to, what do we need to be doing? Encouraging those who are widows to devote themselves to prayer, maybe with a little bit of time. And I've seen a lot of really faithful people who have lost a spouse who have said, here's what I'm going to be about. I'm going to devote my time to prayer, to God. I do on a regular basis, but I can't tell you how much it means to me, those of you who who have a little more time, who can go. I'm going to devote that time to the Lord, to praying for my church family and for anything else. Um, Man, so what do we need? Well, we got these relationships with the young and old. How do we treat each other? We, we should be treating each other well. Like we, it's a problem if we start looking at our family relationships or those who are believers or those even within our church and, and we don't see things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Where does that come from? It's the fruits of the Spirit, which if they're within us, we should be exhibiting, Right? Not this list that Paul talks about in 2 Timothy. He's like, there's a lot of stuff in here that somebody who knows God shouldn't be doing. Right? Disobedient to parents, right? I love how he puts that in there. Um, among other things, being slanderous, right? So we should really think, like, what is somebody who follows the Lord? What should their life look like? What should their families look like? Now, I know we all think, well, you haven't been to my house. And um, when the kid, you know, kids are going crazy half the time, right? Look, I get that, right? Everybody's in a different phase of life. But, but what's our goal and what's our aim? Are we... Seeking the Lord? Are we looking to honor Him in these things in our relationships? And um, do we have this understanding of what we should be doing at different phases of life, right? I'm not there yet. I don't pretend to know what that experience is like, but I do know what God's Word says, and He's pressing on us to understand what our goal is, what our purpose should be right now. So the young and the old, the widow, and then there's this last thing, a need to provide. Need to provide. We're right on point number three. We're only 22 minutes in. Can you believe that? <laughs> It'll be a short one today, I guess. So point number three, the need to provide. And so Paul says here in verse 7, command these things as well so that they may be without reproach. Now, Paul knew. So God, who's given this message to Paul, who's giving it to Timothy to give to the church in Ephesus and for Timothy to lead in, he's not just going like, you can do this if you feel like it. I mean, or everybody in the church can treat each other badly. They can talk about each other behind each other's backs. They can be mean. They, no, that's not what he's saying. Right? He's saying, we shouldn't act like this because there's a list of people who say that they're godly and then are really not, right? And that's not good news for those who act like that. And so he, above all reproach here, he says, hey, uh, here's how we need, to be. we need to be commanding these things. So it's not an option, right? <clears throat> Some things are. These are not. Uh, and then in verse 8, there's a warning for us, so I like to end things with a warning, um, just so we remember. Verse 8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. 
oh, man, that sounds harsh. <laughs> that sounds difficult, doesn't it? Well, it's God's word. Sometimes it is, right? This is not me saying, hey, this is what we should do. This is my opinion. This is what God's word says. And I don't pretend to know like the intricacies of your own families and how those things work and how difficult things can be at times and how we don't always see eye to eye. But what I do know is there's this expectation. Like when people outside of the church, like look at believers, they should go, man, they're not perfect, but they really try. They really love their church family, their immediate family, and they're doing the best that they can. Uh, Matthew Henry's commentary says uh, this about verse 8. One reason why this care must be taken that those who are rich should maintain their poor relations and not burden the church with them. Here's one of the things that was going on in the culture of Ephesus at the time, if you could believe it or not. So people were being abused and taken advantage of. This was within family units. Um, This was the young, the old. There was elder abuse going on. There was young people being abused. And everybody was so confused about like what was right, like like, that's the thing that when we read this, we should go, how do we know the truth? How do we know what's right? What should our family relationships look like? What should our church family look like? And all we have to do is go, what does the word tell us? That if anybody does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Um, and so we can see this in simple things. I, Alana and I were um, sitting down, uh, and uh, just, we were sitting down as a family, actually. We were watching something, so it was a little cartoon. And uh, the dad in the, ki- in the cartoon, he, he got this letter, and he was like, oh, I need to pay this bill. <laughs> and Alana looks at me, and she goes, Dad, what are bills? <laughs> I said, oh, praise God for that perspective, um, the innocence and the uniqueness um, of a child. Sometimes we forget about that, and we're just like, oh, the drudgery of like taking care of business and paying bills and taking care of family members, especially in older age and so we wonder what what should we do well we should be like these are things that you know we see in our culture all the time we see the welfare system and we're like you know we're glad it's there for you know people who really need it but then in our own family units we see things that are broken and we're like how do we help how do we fix that well um do your part for sure Um, as matthew Matthew henry says here um the church is there to help to assist but we should be taking responsibility too shouldn't we and i've I've been encouraged because I take care of like little people. I always have this debate with, with some of you who are in a different phase of life. Is it harder to take care of children or aging parents, right? Um, I want you guys too to be praying for um, Greg and Lori right now. Um, they're with his mom who hasn't been doing well and is probably towards the end of life. And um, as we pray for them, uh, I just want to talk about them a little bit because I have so many conversations and, and Greg, he'll tell me, well, you can just put little kids in the car <laughs> and you can go somewhere. But what do you do in those situations where sometimes things are difficult, right? You're trying to shepherd a uh, parent who's aging, and you've got to love them no matter what, right? No matter what's going on. And I know that's difficult at times. Which one's easier? I don't know. I have my own opinion, too. But we'll see when we get to that point. So how should we be operating? We've got the young and the old, the widow, and then there's this need to provide. This should be obvious to us as believers especially, uh, that we should work hard. That we should take care of those who are within our families, help take care of the church family, but then put this onus and responsibility in ourselves to make sure that if there's somebody that I can help, especially within my own family, within the church family, then I should do that, right? Selfishness shouldn't be a part of, you know, who we are, right? Um, so as we think about these things, young and the old, the widow, and this need to provide, um, I'll just share a story in closing. So I shared a story at the beginning about a little bracelet that might not mean much to anybody else, but it's meant a lot to us, I think. Um, as we keep them, Christy and I keep them on our nightstands. What does it do? It reminds me that we, 
belong to family, church family. Now, I know we belong to an immediate family, and there are struggles and there are things that we deal with in those spaces on our own. We ask the Lord for help. Uh, but I'm thankful and that I'm reminded we do belong to a church family. And as I think about my immediate family, uh, there's one person in particular that's on my mind a lot lately. Um, Christy got me something recently. It's, uh, it was for a timepiece that belonged to my grandfather, an old Elgin um, pocket watch. It was like a early 1900s. And it stopped, of course. And so that reminds me, everything's going to come to a point where it stops. But I was thinking about my grandfather the other day. He passed away about a year and a half ago. He was a nuclear engineer, and he built the first, one of the first nuclear reactors at a university, Texas A&M University and College Station, Texas. It's still there to this day, if you go there and you visit it, the Nuclear Science Center. Uh, and he built that. And he worked on a number of other things. In fact, if you've had LASIK, uh, he worked on some of the first lasers that cut open the front of your eye and then repaired your eyes. And so he did some really amazing things um, early on in his life. And then uh, my grandmother's parents started getting older, started to get sick and needed some care. And this guy, my grandfather, who he had offers from all over the country, government contracts, things, would you come help us build these lasers? Would you come help us build this nuclear reactor uh, over here? Uh, as they began to age, they knew what they needed to do. And so they ended up moving to, uh, they're in Fort Worth, well, they were in Fort Worth at the time, they ended up moving to this little town, San Saba, Texas. Not very many people, about the same amount of people as uh, Elba, probably 700 population. And he took a teaching job in mathematics at the local high school. This is why I have so much respect for all of our teachers um, in our church family. Um, took a job, local school, and taught kids mathematics for a number of years while he, they helped take care of parents in their age and uh, then going to see the Lord. Uh, later, he started engineering business and was very successful in that after they passed away. Uh, but I'm always reminded about that. Like, what are we, I guess the question is, what are we willing to do? Maybe it's not moving across the country, right? Maybe it's not moving somewhere else for you, uh, but maybe it's just going, is there that aunt or uncle? Is there that grandparent? Is there that person that needs a little bit of encouragement? Maybe somebody who's lost a loved one recently and wonders, like, what, is, what does life look like when I'm by myself? We talked about that, those widows. What should they be doing? Well, they've got direction, but what's our responsibility? As an immediate family, the church family? Well, luckily, I know we belong somewhere, right? And I hope you know that too. Maybe you're listening online and you're just like, I've never really belonged anywhere. Well, we believe it starts first with making this decision to put your faith and trust in Jesus. And it starts with this. Admit you're a sinner. Nobody's perfect. Nobody can merit their way to heaven. Believe that Jesus is God's son. And this is a message that we're going to share at VBS. There's going to be kids who are going to come next week. And I hope that you'll be a part of that, by the way. And we'll share this message. Jesus Christ came. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross for our sins. He was raised from the dead. So if, what do we do? We confess that with our mouth. We'll be saved. We'll have this place in heaven. We'll belong to the family of God. And the next thing is to belong to a church family. So if you haven't made that decision, if you're online, if you're in person, I'd be glad to talk to you about that. Uh, but don't leave here. Um, don't turn off the message uh, before you think really long and hard of that, about that. Do I belong to God? Do I belong to a church family? I would encourage you to belong somewhere. Um, life can be really difficult, this journey of enduring faith, uh, without knowing where you have a family, where you have a place that you can belong. How do we conduct ourselves? Well, it's pretty clear in God's Word. So let's turn there um, when we need it, okay? Uh, let me pray for us, and we'll close. Uh, Father, we thank you. Uh, for the word um, today, there's a lot of things that we read at times that are in the word that we 
we feel like are difficult. Um, God, we um, just ask you for your help in understanding the truth always, uh, that we would understand what our relationships look like of the young to the old. God, we know your desire is never for anyone to be hurt or abused in the church or anywhere else, and so we ask you for your help there, um, for direction and guiding um, for the young to handle themselves well, um, to be treated with all purity for those young ladies. Um, for those who are older and wiser, pray you continue to keep all of those in that category close to you. Encourage the rest of the family of faith. For those who have lost a spouse, a widow in particular, um, pray that you would help maintain their focus. Help us to encourage those in that space of life, um, that their time can be devoted wholly to you, God. Um, let that be a great encouragement to all of us. And that we would never forget our need to provide, um, God, not just for the everyday bills, but I pray that we would think about the emotional needs of our family. God, those who um, are there day in and day out. When we come home, I uh, pray that we would not take a back seat to caring for those other needs, not just the bills, God, uh, for the spiritual things, for the mental things, for anything else that's going on. Help us to be good examples in our communities. Um, let us have families um, that look a different way. Um, those who belong to you uh, should. Um, let us not be like the list in Second Timothy that Paul shares, those who have this appearance of godliness but are not really godly. Um, let us honor you, God, in the way that we live, in our immediate families, in our church family. Thank you that we have a place to belong here. I uh, pray that all those who are encouraged today, um, who are listening, maybe don't have a church home, I uh, pray they could connect with us and, uh, or find another place to belong. Thank you that you've given us um, this place to be, and it's your name we pray. Amen.